Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically Anxious Me. I'm your host, Joe, and today we have a special guest with us. We have Christina Callahan. Yes. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us oh, my- who you are, I'm so excited. Girl, I'm, I'm excited too. Um, I'm Christina. I live in Tampa. I do hair, my hairstyles, business owner. Um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Um, I'm a free spirit. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, I never wrote an introduction for myself. So, hey, you know, this, is, this, this, this is what we got. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I know Christina from way back when, um, I lived, obviously, um, anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a long time, then you know that before I moved to Minnesota, I lived in Florida, obviously, and I lived in Tampa, Florida. Christina was one of my really good friends. And I moved just when we were like starting to like, <laughs> you know, cultivate a friendship and really get close. Mm-hmm. And it's always been um, one of the hardest things for me to like deal with about like my leaving there because there was a lot of people that I connected with and was really starting to find like my people right when I left and then it just kind of got ripped right away from me. But Mm. like, I always stayed, you know, in touch and felt really like close to you and felt a connection to you. So I'm just using this as like an excuse to like dig into your personal (laughs) (laughs) and get to know you in the way that I've always wanted to get to know you, but we just haven't had a whole lot of time to spend together because we're moms and, you know, yeah. career women and we got shit going on. And mm-hmm. I just really admire you as a woman and just the mm-hmm. journey you've been on. And just, I love the way that you do life. And I think you're a dope ass chick and Thank I want to know more. And I think that you're going to inspire so many people with your story. So we're going to jump right into it. So you're a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. How did you become, where did that start? Like, were you always passionate about hair? Was that always your goal? Yeah, from the beginning. Like, I, as far as I can remember life, I've always wanted to do hair. I remember being like, I think my mom has a video. I was like either two or four, somewhere between two and four. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do hair. I want to be a hairdresser. That's what we called them back then. I'm going to be a hairdresser. And I just knew I wanted to do it like every day. Yeah. I didn't know anything about jobs and like how much, you know, you know, what kind of salary I would, I didn't think about that. I was just like, I want to do people's hair every single day. So, um, it was kind of cool. I feel like I kind of got like a little cheat code to life because I knew what I wanted to do from the beginning. And I never really strayed too far from that. Like that was always the goal. How did it start to develop? The skill. Um, the skill developed. I started working on Barbie dolls and my sister's doll's hair. And then, um, it developed to my friends, you know, like, Hey, let me try and cut your bangs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in a lot of trouble, <laughs> a lot of trouble. Yes. Yes. That little girl, I cut her hair in my neighborhood. Her mom came to my door and was upset. Like your daughter cut my child's hair. Yeah, and they were horrible. The bangs were they were horrible, Ooh. but I was excited. She was excited, like it was cool. Um, then you know I got older, yeah, right. 
<laughs> right? Um, as I got older, I started working with color. Um, but when I realized I had a thing is when people kept asking me to do their hair. And I was young. I was like probably around 12. And people were asking me and I was getting paid. I was getting paid to do hair. Um, and then my mom's like, oh, you're really good and you're not charging enough. Like, yeah. You're doing like whole makeovers on people. Wow. <laughs> and you're getting like five dollars. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I just love this. Um, but when I got into uh, around 12, when I got into middle school, it really became my saving grace because I was I was going through stuff. I was sad. Um, I was depressed and I was I was just stuck. I, I didn't know what I was going through. I didn't know why this was all happening. Um and I know like hair did it for me. Like I would be sad and I'd go in the bathroom and try something new with my hair. And all of a sudden I just felt a little bit better. It wasn't the cure, but it was like, oh, I felt good about myself. And then like that whole day I felt so good about myself. And I was like, I need to feel like this all the time. And then I thought I want other people to feel like this too. Mm -hmm. um, so when I started working on adults, um, well, some of my teenage friends as well, but adults was really, I could see the difference in them when I would do their hair. I would see how they looked coming in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, I really, honestly, I really targeted people that I felt like I could help upgrade their look for them. Mm -hmm. You know, people that like, you could tell they wanted more, do more with their hair, but they didn't really know what to do with it. Um, that's who I really like, hey, can I do your hair for you? Like, mm -hmm. can I, I just wanna try something, I got this idea. Um, and it worked. And they were just, after I did their hair, they were so happy. And I was just like, this is really what I want to do. Like, I want to make people feel good about themselves. I want to enhance others' beauty. And that was it. If I can jump in for a minute. Um, mm -hmm. You said before that you there was like a turning point where you were about 12 and it really saved you. So mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit more about that and what's your background if you're comfortable with opening up about that. So I grew up a Jehovah's Witness. Um, my family was a Jehovah's Witness. So it was a very strict household. Um, everything was a certain way. Um, and growing up in that space, I never really connected with it. I don't have anything bad to say about it. It just wasn't for me, but because I lived such a strict lifestyle. I was isolated from everything. I was like, I was in public school up until actually 12th grade. I was in public school, I mean, 12 years old. I was in public school until then. My mom took me out um, and decided to homeschool me. And that was it. Like, I just, I'm a social person in a sense. Like, I'm quiet, but I like being around people. I just like being in people's space. And when she put me in the house, I was just like, oh, the depression kicked in and I was sad. I had no friends. So your I was mom was your teacher or um yes and no so the the school that I did it was like um they mail you books you read the books you take the test and online and then they give you another book so there's not really a teacher honestly I really wish I had a different you know homeschooling education back then they were not the ones that they have now like yeah, they're way better oh man they're amazing you can go to school and do like a field trip or like pop in and do a class or mm -hmm. do prom Mine was a book and a computer. Mm -hmm. And if I needed help, I'd ask my mom. Um, but she she had she was busy in the religion as well. So she was out preaching, you know, they do the, mm -hmm. they do service preaching so she work. She was in it. <clears throat> she was full time. I've known I mean I've known a few people growing up who were also yeah. Jehovah's Witness, so I, I hear you. Yeah, so she she was very involved. Um so I was home by myself a lot. So, you know, it's just me and my books. Um, but yeah, it, there was not any direction really. So 
<clears throat> being in that space and then already, you know, being a Jehovah's Witness, we didn't have friends outside of our religion. So mm-hmm. I had a couple of friends, but, you know, they were in school. It, I felt very isolated. Like that was the gist of it. It's like I, I was alone. Um, so, yeah, I got really depressed. And um, my family has a history of depression. It runs on my father's side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know why I was feeling like this. In our household, no one really talked about depression. Yeah. There was this huge secrecy like behind it. Like, oh, you know, it was just, just go read the Bible. You're not reading the Bible enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, you know that like you're not you're not close enough to God. <sighs> and I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. Like, you know, so um being in that space where that was my only resource was the Bible. And mind you, as a child, I didn't understand it fully. As an adult, it might help me now in life. You know, it does help me now in life, honestly. But as a child, I didn't understand what I was reading. I was just like, this is a lot. This is deep. And this isn't helping me right now. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm feeling like I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And this isn't pulling me out that space, you know. So that was that was pretty much it. Um and my relationship with my parents was not good. Um, that was a, that's a whole other factor of my self-esteem, um, verbal things that have stuck with me. Mm-hmm. There, there was just so many different dynamics, and yeah, I was I was down. <laughs> I was down. I was down. So, and thank yeah. you for sharing that. But, um, I can imagine how fixating on one thing that actually makes you feel good and feel good about yourself um, mm-hmm. can make you feel like something in a, in a world where you feel so isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And that's something I did a lot too. And I think writing mm-hmm. and reading books and researching and being this like nerdy, weird little kid, yeah. my own little <laughs> bubble, like it made me feel secure and, um, in a world where I didn't feel very safe um, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So I I understand that and having really strict religious parents where the religion takes importance over the household and everything Mm -hmm. else. And Mm -hmm. that is always what comes first. And, And people don't realize how dictatorial that can be and how much of um how wearing that can be on the children and that that actual household so mm-hmm. i get that yeah. so as you got older and into your 15th year and out of that year like you started mm-hmm. and your parents being jehovah's witness they didn't like worry about you wearing like certain hairstyles or color or anything like that Oh yeah, they were they were strict about that. That's I had to create I within limits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they were letting you use weaves and all no, that because I know I wasn't no. even allowed to wear nail polish when we were, no. we were Baptist. <laughs> I couldn't even get my ears no. pierced till my graduation. <laughs> right, right. No, there were strict. <laughs> That's why I, I, you know what? It's crazy. I, I look back and I'm like, this might be why I'm so creative now because I, I can adapt right. to anything. Are you? If do a client you feel comes like in, you're like that. In, that like um, impacts the way you mother your kids now. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. I feel like I'm just like a oh, free yeah. like. Let's do it all. Yeah. Let's experiment. Like, yes. like, what do you want? What do you yes. want to do? Let's try Express it out. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I rarely, I rarely say no to creativity because of yes. that. Because I'm just like, I want to see what you can come up with. What you right? got? You know. I encourage but, um, you so much. 
I yeah, get. no, my mom was strict. Even when I went to hair school, I was 18 and she was, I wanted to color my hair and she was like, no. And I was like, you can't put me in this situation where everyone's getting color and we're being creative and I can't do anything to my I'm hair. That's like, what you want to do. Like, yeah. And I was an adult. I was like, I'm 18. I'm I'm graduated. No, yeah. she wasn't having it. Yeah. My first weave, I actually bobby pinned into my hair <laughs> because I wanted a sewing so bad. And she was like, no, you're not getting one. And I'm not paying for one. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, this is a money problem. It's not mm -hmm. a sewing problem. So I got this hair that I had left over from a ponytail. Um, I got my bobby pins and I sectioned my hair and I pinned. Girl, I was walking like this everywhere I went because I thought I was going to fall out my hair. I was just <laughs> my mom like, why are you walking so stiff? I was like, it's going to fall out. But um, yeah, I had to, I had to adapt to everything because I, I would always find a way around the rules. Like, all right, well, I don't go too far it. here. <laughs> I feel you. I used to do it too. Yeah, like I get it. So tell me more about that uh, as you went from that transition into furthering into your um, creativity and um, becoming more of a stylist and gaining your independence away from your mom and, and dad and doing more with your hair. It was, I would say they kind of loosened up a little bit over time. Um, there were still the rules there, but um I just started doing what I wanted to do. I think that was like my beginning point. Um, I've spent a lot of my life worrying about how people are going to view me, especially my parents. Honestly, that their opinion matters. It still matters to me a lot, um, but it, it mattered. <laughs> it defined me in my oh, mind. Man. It was like, how you feel about me is the truth, you know? I and I wanted them, <laughs> I wanted them to feel, you know, but I also was like, I got to, I got to live a little bit like this doesn't, I feel too closed in and I've always been a free spirit. So I started kind of just doing what I wanted to do, adding little pieces of color and then cutting my hair gradually and gradually. So I had a bob cause I was <laughs> trying to get that bob. Um, and just, you know, I don't know. I just eased myself into it. So what came first formal education or love for me? Um, education. Well, that's a good question. I was in love young, so I don't know. It was hand in hand. I mean, I was too. They kind of came together. So. <laughs> yeah, it was it was hand in hand. They're, like, I loved hair. I loved hair as much as I loved the idea of loving someone else. So um, for me, that was never an option to like not have like my education. I, I've, I've been in love a couple of times when I was young. And um, yeah, it was kind of simultaneous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, and mm -hmm. so did you always, so were, was it more like a path of like you went to college <laughs> and then hair school or were, mm -hmm. what was your journey oh, okay. professionally? So I, I graduated at 16 um, from homeschool because the homeschool program was so easy. Girl, I was like, let me just knock this out. I'm done. I'm tired of this. So wow. I, I, girl, it was easy. It, yeah, I was 16. I, I probably could have did it sooner, but my mom was like, no. Um, so I was like, all right, 16 is cool. So I finished up school. I went to cosmetology school. I went to the Redkin school. Um, I think it's called the, uh, summit Academy. Now, um, I went there at 17. Uh, that was fun. Like that was, that was a good time. I learned everything. <laughs> I was, I was a sheltered child in a room full of rock stars. And it was, it was so cool. Um, that took me about a year and two months to complete. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got a job, my first salon job. I went immediately behind the chair cause I thought I knew it all. So I was like, 
I'm getting me a, a little station and I'm about to, you know, do this hair. So I did that. Um, so by 18, I had a career. Oh, wow. I was making money. I had my own car. Um, I had everything. I had my own phone. I had my own whatever. I was very self-sufficient. Which is a lot when you're, it's yeah. a deal when you're age <laughs> and to be established. I mean, you came from like a 16 year old high school graduate, like, mm -hmm. and you're established by 18. That's a big move. Yeah. So yeah, it makes you grow up fast. Yeah. Where'd you go from there? <laughs> My mama kicked me out, <laughs> even though she'll tell ah. you another story. <laughs> I just wait. So I was like, I'm waiting for the hey. <laughs> the boom. So yeah. you know, due due to the rules and regulations that I did not like to follow, <laughs> she was like, "Hey, it's my way or the highway," and I was like, "I'll take the highway." Um, yeah, she she didn't like even as an adult, even after having um my whole career and everything, the rule was you don't hang out with people outside the religion still. And if she gets wind of it and you live but in her home, she expected you to, yeah, abide by that. So I got back. I might have skipped. I got baptized at seventeen. Oh. So we might need to go back to this because I think this is an important point. Um, I was I was 16, 17 when my younger sister, I have two younger sisters. So my middle sister was about to get baptized. And in our religion, it's not a good look to have your younger sibling skip that, you know, skip, you know, go, skip to baptism before you like yeah. something's going on with you. Like what's going on? And I knew at that age that I didn't want to be in the religion. And there was a lot of reasons, um, but mainly it, it didn't sit in my heart. It didn't rub me right. And I didn't feel like the things that we were required to do um, were from God. I, I just put it that way. I'm like, I don't think this God. was not something you were going to choose for yourself for the rest. I of knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Wow. Like I, I knew from a young age. I didn't vocalize it till I was older. I didn't know all that. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, I, I was I was very aware as a child, <laughs> very conscious. And I. I was like, nah, something's off about this. <laughs> so when I when I got of age and I'm like, you know, I'm out of school. Like I technically don't have to go to these meetings anymore. Mm -hmm. And I would try to like ease it onto my mom. And she was just like, excuse me. Like she was devastated. The first time I saw her, she was devastated. So, anyways, my sister's about to get baptized. Um, my mom's looking at me and she's like, you know, you haven't made this dedication, and I don't feel right paying for your cosmetology school. For you, you know, if if you're not committed to God, you're not committed, you know, Jehovah, if you're not committed to Jehovah, you're not, you're not going to school. And, you know, my dad had bought me a car and she's looking like, you're not about to have all these, these privileges and you're not doing what God's expecting you to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe I could think about this a little harder. Because <laughs> I'm trying to go to school. <laughs> maybe I'm tripping. So, you know, I prayed about it. I, I prayed heavily. Um, even though I wasn't, my heart wasn't there. I still had a connection with God. And I was like, guys, this what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, why am I not feeling this? It's your mental health. It was horrible. It was conflicting. It was conflicting. And um, I felt like something was wrong with me. Exactly. Not only did I already have the depression yeah. and didn't like myself, mind you, but now I feel like, why, you know, something's wrong with me. And then just certain things that I was told and I'm like, so God doesn't want me as maybe God's not calling me like, well, why not? You know? And I always felt like I had a curse on me in a sense, because I was like, well, why is it so easy for my middle sister to do this? Like, I mean, she was in it and she loves, she's still in it and she still loves it. And I'm just like, wow, like, this is great. My mother is like her heart's in it and like might be a little over the top sometimes, but she loves this religion. And 
my little sister at the time she was too little really to form an opinion you know but everybody seemed so good at this and even some of my friends you know that went to the, like, everybody's in this and i'm like what's wrong with me you know so i prayed and i prayed and i did my research and i thought to myself if i dedicate myself maybe god will like move my heart when i come out the water <laughs> like maybe there will be this epiphany yeah and so 17 i got baptized with my sister i was like let's do this like let's you know and i came out and i didn't feel any different I was glad I did it. It was cool having my parents to be proud of me. I'm not gonna lie. Like that was a that was probably one of the first times I really felt like they were proud of me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't feel any different. I felt like this still might not be for me. Um so fast forward, I was 18. Um I went to a friend's house and my mom i told my friend i told my mom i was at a different friend's house i told her i was at one of the girls that had went to the kingdom hall yeah. the religion so that's what it's called so i was there i lied um and i was with somebody else and she called instead of calling my cell phone that i had she called their house phone yeah to check up on me mm-hmm. which was already a trigger for me because i was like i'm 18 like why are you yep. doing this yeah why are you spying on me like i already feel like you know i have so lived the same wife girl <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who live, you know, because this is what we've gone through. Like, trauma. yeah, and even as just being the daughter of the home, I don't even know if this fully has to do with religion. Just being, you know, the oldest daughter yeah. has its own mm-hmm. things, you know? So, you know, she called and checked up on me. <clears throat> I was not there. And she texted my phone and said, come home right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. So, you know, I went home and she asked me where I was. And I told her where I was and she was pissed. And she was just like, you know what? Like, you think you got it all figured out, huh? Because you got your job and you got your car and you got your this. And you think you can just do what you want. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I can. Like, I'm 18. I'm, I'm on top of the world in my mind. Isn't and that literally like, oh, I- what you raised me to do? To figure yes. it out? <laughs> yes. And I'm a good child. I feel like I was a good child. Like, I, I might have broken the rules, but I'm not out here doing drugs. I'm not out here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not out here doing nothing. Like, I'm really focused as best as I can be, you know, on my career and, you know, growing up, you know, so, um, I I remember my dad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I remember her and my dad were sitting there and she said, well, you know, um, in order to stay living here, you have to quit your job and move closer to home. Cause at that time I was working about 30 minutes from my house, Mm -hmm. um, in Oldsmar, you need to quit your job, move closer to the home. Um, you're going to give up your car. You're going to, I think she said something about my phone. I don't know if she was taking away the phone or she was going to be watching who I was talking to. I don't know. It was something with the phone. Um, policing you. And she got policing me. And if you need to go anywhere, you need to take your sisters with you. And I was like, and I'm like, well, for how long? And she, and I don't think she even gave me a date, like from here on out. And I'm like, I remember saying, no, I'm not about to do a this. Chaperone? Huh? Like a chaperone? Like a chaperone. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not about to do this. There's no way I can do this because there's so many details prior to this. The the rules are crazy that I was like, this is, this is the defining point. Like this is, and mind you, part, part of this, I had already moved out. I I skipped that part, but I moved in with a friend because something that happened with me and my mom while I was driving, you know, the physical altercation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't take this. I got to go. So I went to live with my friend. I ended up moving back home because my my grandma called me and she was, you know, making me feel so sad about it. And I was like, all right, grandma, I'm going to do it the right way. You know, she's like, just do it the right way. Don't do it this way. You know? So I was like, all right, grandma. But 
once again, we're faced with another obstacle of my freedom. And I was just like, "Mm -mm." so I had a little attitude about it. I'm sure I said some words and, you know, she's like, you know, you can just get the hell out of my house. And I looked at my dad, like, you're just going to let her. And she had threatened me before in little ways about leaving. And I was just like, I'm tired of this, you know? So my dad's like, you heard what your mom said. I said, all right, cool. And I got my little bag together and I left and I never moved back. And Tariq actually, Tariq, that's me and him were just friends at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had just met him. He had just moved down here. Um, And yeah, he came and got me. And that was it. That was it for that. Speaking of Tariq. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I met you. Mm -hmm. Um, at this awful call center job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Tariq was my training manager and um, he helped me get the hookup because I needed a hairstylist and Mm -hmm. he was just like, let me tell you. (laughs) You know, then I was introduced to this queen and like, Mm -hmm. but you just, you were so much more than a hairstylist. I was just like, I just want to get in her chair so we could talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was just fun to yeah. um to connect with you and um at the time i didn't have a lot of real people in my life that i felt like actually got me and it was like i don't know if this is just like a stylist thing or if she's just working her magic and she could just talk mm-hmm. to anybody but it's working for me so if this is therapy mm-hmm. i'm gonna take advantage it's a little expensive yeah. i can handle it <laughs> Pricey therapy. I was like, but I look cute at the end of it. I look cute at the end of it. And (laughs) I can do that. So um, it was, I don't know, it was an instant bond. So I will like, tell me more about that. Because I never got to know the beginning really and how that all started. Mm. Ah, girl. <laughs> a lot, this a lot. This is this is 14, 15 years of a relationship. Um so yeah, I met Tariq through a friend. Um, he had just moved down here um to Tampa and I met him after a club. Actually, it was so crazy because that day I found I'm a little boyfriend I had a little boyfriend I had well, I thought it was my boyfriend. He was cheating on me and I was devastated, girl. I was like, oh he cheated on me. My friend's like, let's go out and let's, you know let's get our minds off of it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, fine. So after the club, she's like, let's go to see my friend. I was like, I don't want to meet nobody. I'm going to go home. She was like, nah, you need to come out. Cause we're going to go say hi. So I met, I met Tariq and I think he was with his cousin, his mother friend. And, um, he was so friendly. I just couldn't stand him. I was just like, why are you smiling? Right? She'll be looking at him like, why are you smiling so much? I, I was so not the girl I am today. First of all, I was very like, so he's all like to be that. What girl? Like, still like I this. was just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't. I literally, I'm still trying to figure it out. I promise. I told you. I told him this yesterday. Like, why are you smiling? Like, why are you so what happy? Drugs is this man on? Like, girl, and none. It's not crazy. But um, <laughs> he it drove me crazy, and I was just like, you're really short. I just was like, you're so short. <laughs> Mind you, my friend's tall, so I just assume, and everybody I've ever met through her are just like tall people. I just used to, I'm used to being like the shorter one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're really short. And he was like, well, nice to meet you too. And I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, this is this is not right. Um, but I was bitter. <laughs> I was I was bitter. I had my heart broken. I didn't like men. Yeah, who know y'all? 
Like, I don't, mm But I'm not trying happy. to be nice to none of y'all. <laughs> none of y'all. So, um, I actually wrote him probably, like, a couple weeks later on MySpace, back when MySpace was big. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I had come to my senses and realized <laughs> that was kind of rude. <laughs> right, MySpace. And I was like, I'm so sorry for saying that to you. Like, that was really rude. You were just trying to be nice. And I was just, like, a grouch. And he's like, it's okay, blah, blah, blah. Like, so we were friends. Um, we were just friends after that. He had just gotten out of a divorce. Um, and he moved down here to start over. Um, so yeah, we were we were just friends. And how old were when eighteen. I was eighteen. Yeah, but I think it was like twenty-four. And um, so we would just chit chat here and there. Um, and then like he used to start flirting with me, and I was like, I'm not interested in you like that. Like I, I he was not my type. I was so shallow. So I was like, I got my my list of things, my requirements that I want in a man. Um, but yeah, so we were just friends. Um, Isn't it hmm? that the list that you came up with back then never matches the person that you're actually with? You're like, no, you ain't nothing that was on the list. No. Completely, completely the opposite. Like, Minus the light eyes. Yeah. The light eyes was on the list. I wanted somebody with hazel eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like you were supposed to have dreads. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to be like blue right. and green. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You used to be a little hood. Like, I wanted a whole thug. Like, <laughs> you need to have a gun on you at all times. <laughs> So it's talking and sweet to me. Like, right. The balance of everything. <laughs> but uh, no. Yeah, I come uh, Being raised in Florida fucks you up. <laughs> Girl, it do. And you know what? Them people ain't good for you. Like, I look at my list now. I remember my list. I had a few lists, but I remember them. And I'm like, that type of person ain't gonna be no good for me. Right. Like, I, I, I don't really want that. <laughs> like, I, need that. I don't need that. That person would have had you like in jail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, girl. In jail, covering up for him. <laughs> right. No, nah, I'm good. No. Nah. Especially the girl I was back then. I was a ride or die. You hear me? Like, I don't. Yes. Road and die. Like, yes, I'll take the charge. I love him. Right. <laughs> mm mm. <laughs> Oh, so glad he didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so when my mom kicked me out, I called him yeah. and I was like, hey, no pressure, but I need somewhere <laughs> to go for like, give me like a month or two because I was making money. Like I had a career. I was like, let me get my money up and I can get my own place. And he's like, no, you can come say you could be a roommate. And I was like, no, I won't be a roommate <laughs> because you just got out of a divorce. And I feel like you should be out there having your best life. And there's no woman that's going to be okay with me living with you. Like, yeah. I remember the conversation. Like, I, I had the whole thing in my head planned out. Like, this ain't going to work because of all these reasons. But I just need this amount of time, you know. And he was just like, whatever, fine. I'm going to come get you. And he came and got me. Um, and yeah, like, we grew on each other. Like Tariq, Tariq is my person, like relationship or not. And I can actually say that now after everything we've been through relationship or not, he is my person. I'm trying to describe, but like he has, whew, he's been a father, a brother, a best friend, a husband. I feel you. Everything, like everything. And taught me things about myself that like, I had no respect for myself. Like I didn't, there were so many ways I did not care about myself. <laughs> Sorry, I did not plan on getting on here and crying, but it's crazy. Like what people, 
<laughs> don't let them see me cry <laughs> i'm playing with you <laughs> i probably should have oh. warned you to have tissue near <laughs> that probably it's okay i'll just let them dry on my face <laughs> oh my gosh but no for real like i was i was a lost person um and I was wild. I was crazy. Ooh, I was, I mean, even in a relationship, I ain't gonna lie, like I was off the chain and he has sat me down many times and was like, as a woman, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be, you know, being around these type of people because this is a, the things that can happen. This look, look just situation, right? you know, he has sat me down and has been like the backbone mm-hmm. of my male structure in my life. Yeah. Outside of my father, my father, I grew up with both parents in a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and my father's relationship did not really start till way later. Mm-hmm. So during this space of life, I didn't have a male figure in my life. He was my male that figure. Final raising from him. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. And that yeah. I see that transition with Lano too. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, that feeds into part of why our relationship, we like I grew up with him. Like mm-hmm. we grew up together. And, and I mean, we've been together since I was 16 and he was 18, but like, like I became a woman with him and there was so much Mm -hmm. I lived at such a sheltered life in that religious world where I was I didn't know shit like and when I came out and he plucked me out and he said like be you like yes it's Mm -hmm. okay to be a bisexual girl and Mm -hmm. be free and Mm -hmm. and love on you and like Mm -hmm. it's okay like breathe Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. i just discovered a whole new like level of who i was and and i didn't start living until Mm -hmm. then and Mm -hmm. and i think that's when i i started healing from all those traumas that i'd had in my childhood because it was so so much so much abuse so much neglect so much ah (laughs) stuff yeah. with the parents yeah you know? and it's not just religion and all that it's just a lot of ickiness you know and mm-hmm. and he saved me in a lot of ways and so i feel, yeah. i feel that and that's always going to be my person at that age hey i didn't think he was going to be my husband <laughs> like i you know i just thought like okay like he's cool um but yeah like we we wound up getting married um at tw- i was 20 I was 20. Um, oh, I had got kicked out the religion. So we'll go into that. I got, it's called disfellowshipping. Um, wow. I had got disfellowshipped. Very I'm going to share, I'm, I'm, I'm share what happened too, because I don't really tell people the story. Um, and I, I know in the religion, a lot of people. Not a lot of people know about the structure no. of Jehovah Witness. Mm-mm. I don't What is that? Jehovahism? Yeah. Jehovah. <laughs> Jehovah Witnesses. Okay. <laughs> Jehovah, Witnesses yeah. <laughs> Jehovah Wisdom. I don't know. Yeah. But like I don't know the, you know, the technicalities and all that around it. Mm-hmm. So if you can like enlighten us a little bit and okay. tell us a little bit more about like what cuz it, it it sounds very structured and rigid mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um very formal like a lot like you know Mormons are where it's very formal mm-hmm. and documented and Mm-hmm. All that, and you have to go through processes just to get out of mm-hmm. it. And, and I'm sure there's yeah. there are religions that are like that too. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. No, it's it's very much like that. Um. You actually don't really, you don't really fully understand the grasp of what you 
or getting into and i will say born i was born into born it in. so i didn't really have i didn't have a choice <laughs> but um which which sucks like i feel like people should have a choice like yeah, imagine like i can't imagine raising my kids into like oh this is who you are now and if you don't agree with it I want nothing to do with you. That's like me choosing their career. That's what I've always like told my parents. Like, that's like saying I need to be an electrician and love it. I don't have no love for electricity. Like, I'm not going to sit here and that's not my thing. You can't choose people's paths. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so I was born into it. And uh, the structure of the religion basically is um, you, most kids that get, most kids that are in a religion, they usually get baptized by like 12. And now here, the difference between the baptism of Jehovah Witnesses and let's say a regular Christian church is, you know, some people baptize their babies and like, I've dedicated my child to God, you know, that's, that's their thing. Um, we were told like, you cannot do that first thing, sir. So you, you don't get baptized as a baby. You get baptized when you understand your dedication to Jehovah, to God. But the dedication, in my personal opinion, is not to God, it is to the religion. And so therefore you must abide by what the religion requires, um, which is obviously no holidays, no smoking, no sex before marriage, like everything that's basically in the Bible. Um, you cannot do any of these things. Not your own birthday, right? No, you cannot. You're on birthday. Down to your, the sexual intimacy you have with your partner. There are rules. No anal sex, <laughs> no oral sex, no sex on your period. And if you do, you have to go confess that. And you can get kicked out the religion for having sex with your partner. Like, hey, I gave my husband head last night. So, like, you can't. The fuck? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, 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 there's levels. So, um, when I, so when you get, once you get baptized, you get privileges, whether you're, um, participating in the weekly meetings so you get to go up on stage women cannot women cannot be preachers we'll just call it a preacher you cannot go on stage and give sermons that is off the table but you can go and give a demonstration of how to preach in service you know when you go knock on people's doors you can give a, a demonstration to the audience on how to do that so it was like we had minor as women we had very minor things that we can do we did a lot of the cleaning in the kingdom hall you know like the stereotypical what women things so that was that. Um, but anyways, once you get baptized, if you sin, um, you have to go confess it to the elders of the congregation. And there has to be three men in the room with you. Um, you go and you sit down and you confess it. They say a prayer to God to see if you're really sorry or not. Because you're sorry determines whether you're disfellowshipped, which means kicked out, ostracized from everyone. Like you cannot talk to anyone, not even your own family members. Or you get reproved, which is you get your privileges taken away. You can't participate in the meetings. You can't go in service. Like you can't knock on people's doors. Um, and you cannot uh, hang out at certain events. You just got to kind of be a little distant, but not like fully distant. It's kind of. Um, so anyways, <clears throat> the first time I, I had to sit down with the elders, it was by my choice um, because I had gotten baptized, but I was not living my life according to the rules. And I was knocking on people's doors and I felt like a hypocrite. I felt bad. Because I was like, I'm preaching to these people to live this lifestyle and I'm over here hooking up with my boyfriend. Like, I feel horrible. Yeah. And I told my mom, I told my like, mom, I don't think I should be doing this. And she's like, why not? And I was like, I just feel like there's some things I need to work through. I didn't want to tell her. I was like, I, there's some things I need to work through. I, I was in the full time. So it's called being a regular pioneer. I was in the full time work with her. And I was like, I can't do this. And she would not let me get off that list because that's also his image. It's like, oh, her daughter is no longer doing this. Like yeah. gossip, you know, and she didn't want that. So I was like, all right, well, I'm about to sabotage myself. I'm throwing myself under the bus. So I went and talked to them on my own. She didn't even know she was pissed. 
but I confessed my sins and they reproved me, which means I just had limited whatever association with everyone, but I could still talk to people. Um, fast forward, when I wound up living up with my then friend at the time, my mom followed me and found out where I lived. And she called the elders in the congregation and they came and they saw my car there at night at Tariq's house. And then the next morning they came back and saw my car. It was almost like a stakeout. They saw my car there and they called me and they were like, hey, we need to speak with you. And I'm like, for what? Like, oh, I just wanted to encourage you. You know, we haven't seen you at the Kingdom Hall in a while. We want to, you know, to have a little chit chat. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll come. Nah, it was an ambush. Yeah. Girl, it was an ambush. And like, I will say this, still at 18, I was heavily depressed. I was going through trauma, leaving my parents home very drastically. I cried every night. I was, I was going through it. Like I've never grieved. That was my first time grieving. Um, and I grieved the loss of my family, like, because they would not talk to me. I wasn't kicked out at the time, but they cut me off and I couldn't see my little sisters. Like I was messed up. Okay. And they called me and my dad called me ahead of time and gave me like a little heads up. Like, Hey, you need to say you're sorry. Whatever they got on you, you need to apologize. And I was like, I'm not saying sorry for them. I ain't doing nothing. Like, so anyways, they sent me in the room and they were like, yeah, so we know that you're living with a man who's not a Jehovah's witness and he's your boyfriend. And, um, are you having sex with him? And I was like, no, cause we weren't like the day they went, the, we ain't had no sex. Like April one, we ain't had sex that day, but I wasn't having sex with him. We was friends. Like, you know, if you want to get technical, but I was like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not having sex. And it was like, okay, well, we know that you're living, you know, with him. And I was like, yeah, I'm staying with him because I don't have anywhere else to stay. Mm-hmm. And like, well, why don't you stay at your home? I was like, my mom kicked me out. They were like, they, she said that wasn't true. I was like, well, that's understandable. Of course, she's not going to, you know, tell whatever. And um, mind you, they had, they know about my depression and all that. Because when I came to them, I told them about all the details. That they know my relationship with my mother, which I haven't talked about in here, but they know how bad it was. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you guys know all of these things. You guys are not giving me any resources you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushed to get like, I'm in a rock, between a rock and a hard place. And I needed to get out because this is my sanity. Like we're talking about. So they was like, um, so they're still going on and on about the fact that I'm living with this man. And like, are you going to move back home? And I was like, no, I'm not going to move back home. Um, they're like, we're also heard you talking to your brother. My brother was also kicked out the religion. I'm not supposed to be communicating with him. And I was, and I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm speaking with him and I'm not going to stop. If you're both. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just like, well, this is a lot of things, you know. And they were like, you know, how do we how do we know that you're not having sex with them? Like, I'm telling you, I literally came here and confessed my sins like a couple months ago. So I'm I'm being honest with you guys. So for you guys to judge me and call me a liar now is crazy, you know. So they were like, All right, well, you know, we we need you to step out. We're gonna prayerfully consider this and then you can come back in the room. So they prayerfully considered it and I came back in and they told me, We're gonna have to disfellowship you because we're not stupid basically like we're not stupid we know we came to your house then they dropped all the evidence of my stakeout we came to where you were at you were parked here you know you were here we came back at 7 a.m in the morning your car was in the same parking spot yeah usually people sleep and live somewhere (laughs) so that leads us to believe that you're having relations with this man and i was like at that point i was irritated i was like all right like i i don't have anything else to say it, that's fine. But if you want to stamp me with that, that's cool. 
what now? Like, oh, we're going to disfellowship you. I was like, all right, that's cool. They're like, you need anything else? No, I'm leaving. Okay, goodbye. And um, that was it. And that was the beginning of, I lost everybody. Like, so not only did I lose my family, I couldn't speak to them. The only friends I had that were, because I wasn't allowed to have friends outside of the Kingdom Hall, they all cut me off. My best of friends. And I was just like, dang, I know y'all are sinning. Like, y'all, y'all be in the clubs with me. Y'all out here smoking. At the time, I wasn't even smoking. Y'all out here smoking weed. Y'all are smoking doing. <laughs> you're sleeping with a married man. You know, like, what the hell? And I'm not even doing nothing. <laughs> I'm minding my business, you know. And they kind of, we're so sorry, but we can't, you know, we can't hang out with you anymore. I lost clients because I was doing hair. All of my clients were Jehovah's Witnesses because once again, you know, I, I started doing hair. They want to support, of course. And then when they found out that I'm no longer a Jehovah's Witness, they, unfortunately, we can't do business with you. Okay. So that was, you know, a starting point, a start over point for me. I had to start over from nothing, you know? So um, that was a lot right there, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It was, um, how has that, been over time because i'm assuming you never returned i returned once um okay. so i got i ended up getting married to get my to get my family back that was that was honestly the main thing so if i knew if i got married to Tariq, um i'm no longer living in sin i have the chance to come back into the kingdom hall um and try it as an adult i was like you know this, this happened when i was a kid this happened in my parents home maybe there was a disconnect because i didn't like their rules um, and other people had told me, um, there was a couple people that did still contact me, even though they weren't supposed to. And I'm very grateful because they kind of gave me the push to try it again at the time. Um, so yeah, me and Tariq got married. I told him, I was like, you love me. I love you. I miss my family. You're, he was in the military, you know, like you're about to deploy. Why not? Let's just get married. And he was like, okay, let's do this. So got married, went back to the kingdom hall. That was very hard because as you go, you don't, you're not allowed to speak to anyone. So people like treat you like you have the plague. They don't want to sit next to you. They don't want to open a door for you. It was very, very hard. Um, but I got back in. Oh, when I first tried to get back in, they told me they didn't feel like I was sorry enough. I had to write a letter to get back in. And I wrote this heartfelt letter. And mind you, it was from my heart. Like, I really felt it. Like, I was like, I really put my heart out. And they was like, no, you're not, you know, we don't really feel like you're really there. So like six more months. And I'm like, six more months? Like, this is crazy. So I did it. I did it another six months. I got in. And I almost feel like it was worse than the first time. Because I felt like y'all don't even like me. Y'all don't really want to, y'all don't really love me. Yeah, Y'all are, this is conditional. Like, like this is supposed to be where people find comfort in you know yeah. what is the purpose of this yeah it, it didn't it did nothing like it did nothing for me i was like this is really bad and you know i had to study and then they were telling me oh well you know you have i had piercings i had like a couple of my ear nothing crazy like yeah. oh well you know our piercings like, i have piercings and stuff like that so they were like oh well you know you really should take those out and you know we suggest and like all these things and i'm like i don't want to change everything about myself i already have to cover up my tattoos every time i come in here like and i i did it out of respect because people will stare at you the whole time yeah. and it's uncomfortable so i would cover myself up and try to be this person and people just kept wanting to talk about my past how bad was it out there i'm like it wasn't bad at all like because they don't leave the confines of the safety of the kingdom hall mm -hmm. so living in the world is scary to them and they think oh yeah they, they expect me so oh, yeah i was strung out on drugs oh yeah i was in a whorehouse i prostituted i got pregnant none of that stuff happened to me they, they expected the worst you're just sitting around with a needle in your arm <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. I was like, no, nah, none, none of that happened. Um, so yeah, it was, man, it was crazy. Um, so anyways, fast forward, I stopped going. Tariq had started studying and everything because he's going to support anything I do. Like, he's like, all right, well, I'll do it with you. And he was great at it, you know? Because <laughs> he, well, he didn't have any well, emotion. What were you converting to today? <laughs> right, he don't care. He's like, let's do it, you know? So, um, but I was like, oh, I really don't, this isn't, this is rubbing me wrong. And so, short, long story short, we stopped going. Um, then I got pregnant with Ava. And that's when I went back for a little while because I was like, okay, this isn't just about me. And this is about my daughter. Your children, yeah. Yeah, my yeah, my child. I want her to and I was living in fear, a fear of what I was taught too. Like if if I don't, you know, do this for her, we're gonna be destroyed in Armageddon. Like they believe at, that the world is gonna have an Armageddon and that anyone who is not a Jehovah's Witness will be destroyed. Point blank, don't matter how great you love God. And that was one of the things that I couldn't sit with. I was like, ain't no way. Because I've met so many people that love God down. When I say like they are dedicated and they 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 give. And you tell me these people are about to be destroyed because they don't, they're not a Jehovah's Witness. I don't believe that. Like I, I couldn't find that in my spirit to like sit with, but it was ingrained in my brain. So I thought, let me try and do this because this little girl, she's a little baby. She doesn't know. Yeah, I'm like, I'll do anything for her. I'll, you know, I'll go and sit in the meetings, even though it, I don't understand it really. Like, I'll do it for her. Um, and then it was still my, when I tell you something, my brain and my intuition will not allow me to do things that I'm not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It will torture me. I will have dreams about it. Mm-hmm. I will lose. I will days off in the middle of the day and just be gone thinking about like, this isn't right. This isn't right. The alarms go off in my body yeah. and I can't ignore them as much as I've tried. Yeah. I cannot ignore them. So I had to go. And that was the last time I went. That was it. I was like, I'm taking my chance on God. Not this, not this structure. I'm taking my chance on God because I've prayed to him so many times mm-hmm. and he has never said, go this way yeah for me so i was like no this this ain't this ain't right for no so all right y'all this was such an incredible conversation with christina nina i want you to stay tuned for part two it will be a lot more involved, a lot deeper. There's so much more to come. Um, thank you for tuning in and I'll see you in part two. Bye.